How's it going, everybody? This is the third, I believe, episode of Modern Guilt. I'm, um, my name's Hayden, talking with Damon again. Um, we're recording this, I think, about a week after the Black Lives Matter movement started. Um, so we're still sort of reeling from that a little bit. Um, yeah, do you think that's fair to say, Damon? Yeah, man, definitely. Yeah, still recovering, just from, like, the insanity of the entire situation it kind of came up overnight and no one really predicted that we'd be in race riots and you know th there's so much to discuss within it so it's probably not worth like trying to dive in head first with the fact that as much as we both kind of dislike the idea of identity politics like we are very very aware of the fact that like we're two white dudes talking about race um, well, actually, so, I'm mixed race. <laughs> well, yeah, you are actually. I'm sorry. Um, I don't identify. It's fine. Yeah, but um, like that's probably the reason that we're not gonna like say too much about it because we don't want to sort of appropriate the conversation or assume um a sort of like moral high ground in any of it. So like. Don't think it's because we're not informed. We're just fucking choosing yeah. to, to be a little bit respectful of the people who actually have the highest stakes in the situation. Yeah. Um, also, maybe before we dive into some uh, Black Lives uh, content, we should thank the people who had a listen to the episodes one and two. Um, yeah, I, had, I got some positive feedback and we got some like constructive feedback as well, which is cool that we're going to uh, incorporate into future episodes. So um, just know that we hear you and uh, it's onwards and upwards. We're going to slowly tinker with the format and uh, the sort of, you know, production quality and obviously ramp it up because we're well aware that we're not uh, running a fucking top tier radio show. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um, we were just talking before the introduction about, obviously before we hit record, we were talking about uh, feeling pretty overwhelmed with our like Twitter digest um, and having to take some fucking time out from being like social media junkies. It's been good though, man. It's actually been so good, I reckon, getting away from that stuff because like it's <laughs> first off, I wasn't actually informing myself. I was just um, polarizing myself and indoctrinating myself and essentially leading myself away from any objective viewpoint I could possibly have on current affairs anyway, which is really the truth of like any social media intake is you're really, you know, just going to be placing yourself in a, in a box that's going to ultimately swing you into binary thinking anyway. <laughs> you're right about like social media informs you to an extent, but I think you hit a level where all of a sudden you're not actually informing yourself anymore rather than just being bombarded by more opinions. Um, and it's, yeah, I think a variety of opinions is valuable to an extent as well. But um, So I shared to you the death of David Dorn and I had sort of been browsing through Twitter mindlessly after, like, binge streaming mm -hmm. race riots. Just so... And people are aware as well david dawn correct me if i'm wrong but he was like the 73 year old former uh sheriff right who was yeah he was, killed he was protecting... trying to prevent those guys from looting yeah yeah totally. african-american dude as well yeah yeah and he was yeah. shot by looters and killed yeah. um 
And this was after I've been like streaming all those, uh, you know, people running around with GoPros or whatever. And it was yeah, literally... live looting. Yeah, doing all the live looting stuff. And it was so brutal, man. But I didn't actually realize that that whole video had become a talking point for the right. And so this is this was exactly the moment that I switched off. And I think I shared it to you and I was like, sent you that little sad boy rant about how, like, I, I, you know, I don't know where the movement is now that um, black cops are getting killed. Mm. And then I just sort of thought, oh, man, like Trump picked it up. And basically, like, immediately span it into this thing of, you know, oh, the looters kill the good, honest African-American cop. And then immediately I was like, okay, you know, the, there's no narrative within this that isn't going to be spun and used by either, like, yeah, right. you know, left or right politics. It's just going to be a shit show from start to end, and then we can have an analysis of it after it's all happened. That's the saddest fucking thing about it, man, is that, like, this yeah, seventy-three-year-old former cop is trying to do what he sees as the right thing in preventing looting. Tragically, fucking slain over some TVs, as the good guy filming that video yeah. points out. <laughs> and like, we can't just pause and acknowledge the tragedy of that. We have to use that as a resource to to spin your own ideal, um, which is so fucking gross. Yeah. Um. Oh uh, yeah, it's not enough know. to die trying to like just help someone out. You then have to become a talking point for someone's shitty like political agenda. Exactly or, right, and or be regardless as well by like another shitty political agenda. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so bleak. And, and you know, regardless of whether or not his family were Republicans or Democrats, to hear anybody just sort of like co-opt that conversation, um, and use that as I don't know, a, just, yeah, a debate fodder, <laughs> I yeah. suppose, is, must be so fucking heartbreaking. I feel for that guy and his family. Oh, totally, man. Yeah. I mean, same with George Floyd. Like, you know, his brother came out and he was saying how sad it was that um, his brother's death is effectively just being used by tons of people to push some bullshit agenda. And all he wants is to, you know, campaign against like a racist police force that is, you know, far too brutal. Yeah. Peacefully. I guess that's like quite interesting. The idea that his brother spoke out against people using his name to push an agenda or like what he perceives to be maybe not so much of a legitimate agenda because it raises the sort of like moral question about like whether or not Someone's family, I suppose, has more of an entitlement to dictate the narrative of someone's killing in these kind of circumstances. Mm. Or if another member of the community, regardless of whether or not they were close to that person, has just as much of a right to sort of like, I suppose, act politically in response to it. And I don't know the answer. I'm, this is the first time I've ever thought about it, but it's a pretty interesting question, I think. Yeah, I... I um. I've sort of taken the view that this is so far beyond Floyd's killing. Like, Floyd's killing is so secondary now to, like, what's actually going on, which is this spiral of, uh, of events that are, you know, probably more on the fact that people are bitter about the fact that they've been in lockdown and bitter at 
huge economic inequality and just yeah it's, it's like the the archduke ferdinand of 2020 yeah sort of <laughs> do you reckon it's going to continue do you reckon it's going to spiral further out of control well i initially thought that might be the case but i saw today that the minneapolis council um agreed to disband the police or what? disfund defund the police oh shit um and their mayor who is um up for re-election next year he actually publicly in front of a, a rally said that he wouldn't defund the police force but uh city councillors have said that they will now mm. and i mean you can almost guarantee that the mayor's not winning that election yeah um yeah so and i'm not uh, that response to the movement enough or it's going to finish it. But I think we are starting to see the start of some positive response. Uh, and some of the protesters' demands are actually being met. For example, the LAPD are having their $150 million worth of funding removed and that which is being redirected to uh, vulnerable communities. You know, being announcements that there are going to be more... Uh, Police brutality cases investigated and charges will probably like not uh, kind of directly address, I guess, state oppression more broadly. Yeah. But I think it's a really good start. From what I've heard, protests are starting to be become more peaceful. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's, it's looking promising. As far as I was aware, it was sort of winding down. I'm wondering if it's going to like. I have a suspicion, and, and and to be honest, I think the major cause of a lot of people's anger and i'm always going to lean on this side because i'm a little economics fanboy and i think that the tidal forces of uh of you know political shifts ultimately stems from like money and how much it's distributed between different classes and whatnot but i'm wondering if this is sort of like placating people with uh with you know defunding the police but what is that really going to do for like the the fact that there's so much wealth inequality within yeah that's the problem isn't you it? you know what i mean like yeah absolutely yeah cool all right so so the police yeah. are defunded but but you're how are preaching you gonna... to the converted right now bro <laughs> yeah <laughs> man like <laughs> it just kind of feels like like a bit of a limp wrist and, and i think at this, the core of it you know you, you look at this gains on the s p 500 lately man and it has been fucking skyrocketing like it's crazy right yeah Facebook's going through the roof, Twitter's going through the roof, like Spotify, Apple, all that shit. They're just like creaming it. And um, these little <laughs> limp dick gestures, like, you know, oh, $150 million, which sounds like a lot. But in reality, when you think about it, that's like no, an executive yeah. pay check, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, like, for a bit of context, I read today that the NYPD annual police budget, and I know we're talking about cuts to the LAPD budget, but, you know, two mm. massive cities. The NYPD budget is $9 billion annually, um, which is greater than the sum of education, healthcare, and homeless <laughs> in New York. So, you know, like you can imagine similar, um, I guess, disparities in LA as well, and $150 million nine billion isn't a whole lot but i suppose if you consider 150 million as a portion of the existing 
budget that goes towards community development maybe that makes it somewhat more meaningful hopefully but, uh, yeah but, i don't know i i've been um reading a lot so in preparation for today uh i wasn't sure whether we were doing anything show and tell related but i kind of went on this tear anyway of like researching julian the apostate um a roman right. emperor brutally to get prepared for this but in in the process learning a lot more about the fall of the roman empire and obviously, um, because I'm on Ray's dick so hard <laughs> <laughs> that I'm all about like the rise and fall of empires being almost like natural processes beyond anyone's control. I'm wondering that if there's any of this is even going to be, you know, if you can even stop this like erosion of, um, of the middle class and gains towards the upper class you know like like even if you do get educated now in the states what does that even mean like you know even if they did start saying oh okay we're going to increase you know funding to secondary schools and, and whatnot and more people will go to university are the universities even relevant anymore like you know like there's not particularly i have no. so many questions about this that go so you know and, and it's just kind of nice to be able to ignore the racial components to this and just sort of look at the at the the landscape of how um, like, sorry, ignoring the fact that there's hatred between, uh, black communities and the police and looking more at the fact that like black communities and, you know, all minority groups or e even like impoverished white communities are just have the fucking shit end of the stick so hard, like so much harder. Like, like even if, you know, someone from one of those communities goes through to like become, you know, to, to go to Harvard or whatever, and then accrue like $150,000 of debt and be a wage slave for the rest of their life and work in like a, in a fucking company that's not giving back to their, their own community or anything. It doesn't mean anything, you know, like none of it. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, interesting that we talk about this right now, because just this morning I was actually reading some more Noam Chomsky. Haha. Uh -huh. Um, and he was talking about how, like, the higher education system is, in his opinion, just, like, sort of a tool of indoctrination. Um, yeah. And it actually sort of starts at, you know, primary school level because you can, like, get straight Cs and no one really bats an eyelid. They're kind of like, oh, yeah, like, you could probably do better and we, sh you know, you need to learn more, but, like, you're trying. Whereas, like, if you're continually late to class, it's, like, a massive disciplinary issue. Um, and that's just, like, an example of the way that they don't necessarily want you to be smart. They just want you to be disciplined. Yeah. <laughs> um, and obviously, like, once you get to the high school level, once you, if you're truant or you, you disagree with the curriculum and you backchat the teacher or you don't agree with what's being taught, you become flagged as i suppose like a problem student and that way that even at the high school level i suppose who you might describe as dissidents struggle to get through to the university level and the people that end up getting you know the highest grades in high school i mean some of them obviously are very intelligent but most of them are disciplined and they know how to just repeat the task of studying over and over yeah and replicate information that they've memorized um yeah and then they do the same thing through university 
and become these like perfectly trained and malleable parts that you can sort of just like plug into the economy afterwards. Good little normies do what they're Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And like we sound like fucking we've just been on DMT since we were born when we say shit like this. But <laughs> that's not like I'm not trying to be woke or to be like, yeah. fuck, man, you just need to open your eyes, bro. I'm just, you know, repeating what I read and to an extent what I've observed. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's, there's something to it. Oh, well, for, as someone who's been through that entire process and um, not done very well at it, might I add, like, you know, gone to high school, uh, dropped out of one high school because I hated it. And, you know, it's very much like, if you don't put your socks up, you're going to get a detention. Show up <laughs> yeah. time. All this like worthless crap that didn't really feel like it meant anything. Yeah, um, yeah. Only to go to another high school and ultimately finish there where, you know, everything was a lot less strict and uh, there was more of an emphasis on just, I don't know, being yourself and understanding yourself uh, as opposed to like actually, uh, you know, conforming in any way. And then going to university and, and like having my entire self-esteem eroded through like years of uh, failing courses and like doing <laughs> relatively poorly to like grifting my way into a job and working in a variety of like large institutions within New Zealand and just realizing how when you reach, you know, whatever pinnacle you thought was success within these institutions, it's so bleak. There's nothing to be gained. You you come across managers. Um, fuck, I was actually just having this conversation before that you come across these like managers and CEOs and CFOs who are ultimately like just kind of bored by the reality, they're not particularly interested. A lot of them are dissatisfied. You know, they, they don't, they're not making as much money as you think that they're making. Um, mm -hmm. And the ones that are making a lot of money are pretty, don't feel like they're really having any impact. Uh, and there's so much dissatisfaction at every level of the institutional hierarchy that I think a lot of people look at that and they're, and they know it, they know it in their hearts. That's why we have so much great media around um, the office space, including the movie, the office space. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Like, uh, like, you know, this isn't anything new. We've known since the nineties that office life fucking sucked and that all Try this... the sixties. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always been pointless. And like, you know, at a certain point, I think we actually reached our economic peak of producing everything we need. And now we're just kind of, um, producing shit. Mm, on just episode, filling in the time. Yeah, man. On an episode that we lost, I believe, we talked about that, about the bullshit jobs boom and how many jobs are just pointless and, and just kind of like corporate feudalism. And Yeah, for sure. Yeah, these institutions are totally... I think that they're indoctrinating people. I think that... And this is actually really interesting because what I was looking into with Julian the Apostate is the same thing happened in Rome where um, philosophers went from being sort of like, you know, uh, of the people and being people that made things and created things and were very much involved in the process of like learning and understanding to kind of becoming like professional commentators and mm. ultimately sitting in the, the ivory throne, um, commenting and not really producing anything of value. And I think the same thing's happened where a lot of professors don't actually do anything. Um, they just kind of sit there and, and like... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, one more thing, and may, then maybe you should um go into this uh your research on was it Julian the Apostate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you talk about that, uh, filling in the time with you know meaningless 
fucking jobs and industries. Like I was just doing my uh, good boy economics homework um, about like comparative advantage um, and about how obviously through uh, globalization, like the United States had to sort of, or didn't have to, but, you know, it made the decision to ship all of its sort of menial physical labor offshore. Um, and it seems to me upon having sort of like read up on that, that they almost painted themselves into a corner where now they have to continue to formulate these new areas to expand that comparative advantage into. So it's kind of like, as time passes, they need to just come up with more bullshit to spin. Yeah. So it's like, oh, okay, like we're, I'm going to start a fucking company that um, audits insurance uh, <laughs> risk fucking lawyers or yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah. just like added layers of like uh, absurdity to the, the kind of like white collar hellscape. Um, <laughs> That's and, such a way to put it. <laughs> yeah, and like it's too late to, to bring back the blue collar working class in the States, you know what I mean? Unless they're running Starbucks. Um, yeah. But anyway, that was just my little thought on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's so, yeah. true. Those people are, those people are vilified, man. Like, like over here, there's an emerging, um, liberal class that hates bogans that hates like, <laughs> and you can look, I'm not saying mining is good. I'm not saying it's bad. But like it or not, they're the people who are fucking the backbone of the Australian economy, um, you know, and a lot of the, the tradies and everything are the people that are propping up the entire economy, despite the fact mm. that they're so ruthlessly hated by, uh, and I really believe there's like a ruthless hatred towards um, blue collar workers, you know, within, within the uh, mm. liberal elite. They're always, yeah. Yeah, yeah, maybe within the liberal elite. Um, I thought you were going to say within the sort of general population. No. Nah. Um, and I was going to refute that, but yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we've done, yeah, like a 20-minute intro. So, <laughs> um, so do you want to yeah, tell me sure. about um, Julian the Apostate? Yeah, Julian the Apostate. As a caveat, so I'm a little bit of a fraud because I originally was, while I was browsing on Twitter, I came across some tweet. I can't remember who it was. Um, but someone had been like, if you want to understand today, you should understand Julian the Apostate. And then I went on this, like, frantic, desperate, um, like, I originally was going to look into something else. And and after going through Julian the Apostate, I don't even know if this is entirely, like, the best analogy for what's happening right now. But fuck it, it's an interesting story anyway. Um, so anyway... That's how I came around to like being like, oh, look at Julian the Apostate as a way to understand, you know, the modern political climate. So this whole story is all eventuates uh, around the time of like 300 AD. So the, mm -hmm. um, as a little bit of context, the Roman Empire had sort of like, it, I don't know if it reached its peak, but it very much had like spread throughout you know, the entirety of Europe. Um, I think it stretched all the way to Paris and, and to Britain and, and to like, you know, it was, it was massive. I didn't realize how big it was, but it was 45 million people lived in the Roman empire at this time, which when you think about yeah, yeah. back in 300 AD, that's like a significant amount of the population. So Absolutely. there's no way to really 
imagine how big that would be if you're going to use today's scale. It'd be like, you know, several major superpowers all sort of combined. Um, so this story begins with Julian, obviously, who was born in 330 AD. Um, he had most of his family's, most of his family was murdered by the previous emperor, uh, Constantius, um, who was a cousin of his and Julian was like excluded from public life and given like a good Christian education. So at this time, Jesus had already been born. He'd been crucified. Uh, Christians were about 30 to 50% of the uh, Roman population. And Rome was like starting to crumble. There's a lot of like, uh, you know, bureaucracy and corruption within the, like the Senate and, and everything else. And, you know, it was starting to sort of like crack at the foundations and whatnot. So Julian grew up and he like totally hated um, the obedience that was preached by the church. Um, and Constantius had sort of like, he was, I don't think he was the first, but he was one of the major uh, proponents of Christianity. And he was like, oh, okay, you know, Rome's going to be a good Christian nation and, and we're going to get rid of paganism. And paganism was sort of like, you know, the belief in different gods. That's where you heard all that badass shit, like like Mercury and Venus and like the God of war and the God of love. And it was all under the idea that there's, you know, uh, different gods for different natural systems. Um, and that was pushed away in favor of like a, a simpler explanation of, uh, the world, which was, you know, there's one God and, and he created everything and that's kind of it and just deal with it. So <laughs> when Julian was growing up, he was like obsessed with, um, Greek literature and, you know, traditional values of the Roman empire. And, and, you know, it was, it had sort of had this like dramatic rise where suddenly everyone became hugely wealthy and rich. And there was, you know, good, strong Roman tradition that is credited at least at the time for, for that dramatic rise. Um, so to understand paganism is like, it, it was less sort of set in stone as this is exactly what happened and more of like an idea of thinking, but it also came with its own like weird traditions and everything like blood sacrifice was a massive part of it, um, as well as any sacrifice, which is so badass and, and awful, but like still fucking badass. There's just no denying that like blood sacrifice is anything other yeah, than it's just like all right sick. here's to here's to a good night boys who's got a daughter <laughs> yeah i reckon yeah. this is gonna be a sick one eh? yeah yeah that sort of stuff like it, it yeah sounds i can make a sacrifice just so we have a sick night <laughs> yeah kill the fucking oxen or drink to the god of wine um yeah so it was more of like uh it was used as a way to understand a very complex world and a co um and a complex system and i think it was I sh you know, is it, what I got from the research that I was doing was it was seen as like, I get, I think the more like, you know, the cerebral, the thinking man's religion, polytheism, and, and it's a way to, you know, we're champions of science and the world is <laughs> uh, governed by Zeus and blah, blah, blah. So because uh, Julian was really big on all of those things. He was really big on like literature and philosophy and paganism and blah, blah, blah. So... It also suffered from like, you know, like the trappings of most religion, which is, 
they have these like massive jumps to try and explain stuff. So the castration of one of the Greek gods, I think, was meant to explain how the human soul is separated from vice and error. And and there's all these other stories that it's just like, you know, it's not based on science. It very much still is kind of uh, just bullshit analogies yeah, yeah. and whatnot. So whatever. But um, so... Julian was attracted to the idea that uh, the world was unknowable fundamentally and that paganism represented this and that mere models, uh, mere mortals could never hope to ever understand the complexity of the universe and that we were all pawns in the game of the gods. Um, which again, is just so fucking cool. Like, I just feel like that's the sort of thing that if I was alive at that time, I'd definitely definitely be a little pagan fanboy it's um, not too late man <laughs> to be a little edgy pagan yeah 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 bring it back yeah so man's primary purpose was to solicit the favor um and to give to the uh sacrifices to the gods so that they may look favorable upon um you know upon you and whatever sort of divine plans that they're doing but basically we're all ants is effectively like what the what the whole thing is about so julian became uh loved by the pagan priests but he also had to keep it on the dl because you know like paganism was getting pushed underground and it was seen as kind of like um a threat to the institution of rome and the uh the bishops that had sort of risen to power and were starting to suppress people and christianity was this like tremendous movement that was overturning the church and bishops and you know different churches have become enormously powerful through donations that they're collecting um so julian was sort of like the undercover pagan who was in the senate and was rising through the ranks to become emperor um and they started like the pagan priest started feeding him all these all this bullshit being like you know telling him that he had a direct link to the old gods and he'd be warned of danger and uh if he committed regular sacrifice and fasted, then, you know, they would uh, grant him whatever he wanted in life. So he basically kept it quiet for 10 years as a pagan to rise through the ranks and to, to take power and not sort of upset the bureaucracy. Um, and then he basically uh during that time sorry i'm gonna jump around a little bit because this is such a fucking complex tale and honestly no, no, it took me so many hours to try and get my head around just everything mm. that was happening at the time so julian knew that if he came down on uh, christianity during this 10-year period that he was silent that it would ultimately fail that the only way for him to ever succeed in squashing christianity which you know he profoundly hated probably due to the fact that they murdered his entire family um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was do it. to uh to do it with tolerance and to basically come across and say that everyone can believe in anything they want um you can be a christian you can be a jew you can be whatever um you don't have to be one thing and so that was his ultimate strategy was to get into power and then uh you know let everyone believe anything and his belief was that because traditional rome was so badass uh that everyone eventually would become pagan anyway because you know fuck christianity so he takes the throne he starts erecting statues all over the show 
um, worshiping the sun. He basically comes out and says like, psych, I'm not a Christian. I'm a fucking <laughs> pagan. And he just starts like killing a hundred ox a day, which I, that's so many fucking oxes. I don't yeah, good. Eh? Yeah, man. I'm pretty sure they're extinct now, eh? but like, you know, nah, man, oxen are, they... are like so alive. I mean, that's the dumbest question I've ever, I mean, the dumbest sentence I've ever said in my life. But my bad. Ox, yeah. ox are definitely alive, oxen? I'm sure. I've never even heard of a fucking oxen. I know oxes are. Maybe they're the no, same like, thing. I'm, I'm Googling Oxen is right the now. plural for ox. Oh, dude, I'm fucking stupid. Eh? <laughs> Edit that out. <laughs> nah, I can't. Nah, it's staying in there. <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, he, fucking, he was killing like 100 oxen a day um, to, to get the gods to like, you know, be on his side or whatever. And that was also using huge amounts of money. Um, but Julian was also campaigning on the fact that he was there to, like, uh, drain the swamp. He wanted to return. No, seriously, man. He was the fucking, like, total... Like, reading Trump it, there is there is a lot of parallels between him and Trump. Because he comes That's in... That's so funny. Yeah. He's, like, full-on, like, fuck yeah, we're going to return to traditional values of killing oxes every fucking day because we're the Roman Emperor you know, we're, we're Rome, bitch, like, and we're gonna fucking do what's what. And we're gonna go back to uh, how good we used to be. And so he cuts taxes and land taxes and everything on the working class, which was actually going to the churches and the bureaucracy. Um, and he was like, nope, you know, everyone who lives in the Legion, uh, sorry, not Legion, but on the fringes of the empire, you don't have to pay land taxes anymore. Um, so he starts getting, like, a lot of you know, uh, support from people because he's just doing so much work for the, for the, uh, for the little man, the blue collar. Um, so this is the point that he starts like surrounding himself with heaps of philosophers who all see him as pious. Um, and they become really close to him and he's trying to get all these other, you know, like bring back all these philosophers that were sort of like pushed away from Christianity and then return Rome to being sort of like a, a bastion of like thought and literature and everything. But the philosophers that he starts surrounding himself are effectively like totally bribed to shit and just start like cashing fucking in. Um, one of them, Maximus had come over, uh, you know, and heard the good word of a, like a pagan emperor. And then immediately on arriving, Julian's just like, here's a fucking temple, bro. And, they just like he just like gets tons of power given to him all of a sudden and apparently just starts like swanning around and like all this dope ass garb and starts like being really flamboyant and shit um and just like totally sells out while like spouting all this uh intellectual garbage about paganism um so there's also like a divide within the pagans at this time on Julian because everyone that's getting rewarded is acting in like very ostentatiously as you would if you're getting like hella fucking money thrown at you. Um, and then suddenly, you know, you have an emperor who says that every word that comes out of your mouth is gold. Um, and Julian starts declaring that he wants to reclaim people from Christianity by effectively just like buying them out. You know, because he, <laughs> he knew he was smart enough to know that you can't just go like killing people. Like you can't just run through the streets and be like, "Fuck it, we're gonna kill all the Christians." He knew that like you had to appeal to them, and yeah, yeah. and the best way is like through gold. So, um, 
I don't think he was like paying them directly, but there was like fat oxes going um, to left, anyone. right, and center. <laughs> yeah, it was just like fucking ox nation. Yeah. And he was just yeah spinning it out to to all the people that wanted to like renounce Christianity in favor of oxes and pagans. And like, why the fuck would you not? Holy shit, man! I would fucking jump on that in a second. You know, pagan parties and oxes, and it's just like good old fashioned Rome. Um, what you know just <laughs> means that they're having like tons of orgies and, and everything yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sure. After Captain Buzzkill Christianity came through and tried to take that away from them. So was, Yeah, yeah, true actually. That would be fun. Yeah. Um It's not a hard first. sell. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess I I'm a little surprised by this next part. Like, uh Julian goes to um rebuild this temple of Jerusalem. Uh, which had sort of fallen to decay, and uh, the area of Jerusalem was just surrounded by sinners and Jews uh, who were hated at the time. Like, they just can never catch a break, eh? No, um, they can't. <laughs> yeah, it was brutal. Yeah. So the, the Jews were, like, really hated by the church, and I guess that's because, you know, they, they killed um, Jesus. So the church was like, the Jews are ruining society blah 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 and plus there's practices within judaism that were also like seen as something that um i don't know was generally against what the church was teaching stuff like like uh they could lend money with interest which at the time was yeah yeah, user and (laughs) right yeah there's all sorts of other things that were uh was like strongly pissing off the Christians and Jerusalem was apparently just like a city of sin and vice. It was like murder and adultery and like all this other stuff going on. That was just, you know, like it was almost like Amsterdam. Yeah. Basically it was just like a total fucking shit show. Um, so, so basically after that, so Julian goes to rebuild this, um, temple. Right. And while he's trying to rebuild the temple, Uh, he starts getting attacked by Christians um, who don't want him to rebuild this, you know, temple, which is this area of Jewish worship. Um, And then at this time, you know, as one would expect, it's like a highly superstitious time. So you have any sort of like natural phenomena that's going on is going to seriously cause people to think like, oh, the gods don't want this to happen. Um, And it's like the worst run of fate. There's like an earthquake that fucks up the foundations of the temple while it's being built. Um, and then there's like a whirlwind and a fiery eruption all while they're trying to rebuild this temple. So yeah. then everyone's like, oh, you know, the gods don't want the Jews to to build this temple. And then Christianity sort of starts um, gaining a little bit more of a, uh, of a foothold after that because everyone's like thinking that the gods are really mad at the Jews. Um, just the worst luck. Honestly. So that largely fails. The city's still, like, Jerusalem's still in ruin and desolation after that. Um, and then after that, the, the Christians are, like, pushed underground even further. And they, they start gaining, like, a really bad reputation as sort of, you know, the lowly underclass or whatever. But they're also, like, a radicalized group that are sort of not being outwardly uh legislated against but you know being very much sort of shunned by by pagans and and jews and everyone else so 
Julian makes the next move to prohibit Christians from teaching in school, which is like a massive thing. So now he's actually starting to like outwardly attack them because he just hates Christians so hard. Um, and he claims mm. that Christians will never understand or accept science, so they're unfit to teach in schools of Rome and should rather go teach in the ruins of a uh, fallen empire, um, which is some statement that i guess is meant to convey that you know christians are effectively would be best on to the teach, way out. yeah to teach yeah. Uh, on the decline of an empire um and that romans need to be taught by good greek and pagan pagan uh intellectuals so it's also of note like education and teaching was one of the highest professions within rome so it wasn't you know nowadays where we treat our teachers like shit yeah, um yeah. which is horrible but it was like one of the best things you could aspire to was effectively like being a teacher and, a, and like a, you know, a person of knowledge and, and whatnot. Um, so Julian presumes that if the Christian you see that the religion is one of morons, you know, and that, uh, that idiots are the ones teaching that they'll abandon it in favor of the religion of the intelligent, the pagans, you know, and, and people of science and whatnot. So they're pushed underground. Um, Christians are banned from, like, serving or holding swords. The government's now full-on, like, traditional paganism is the way to go and will revive to what the, you know, made the empire great in the first place, which is, like, Roman tradition uh, and, and whatnot. So Julian then passes a law to restore pagan temples that were, like, smashed by Christians on the rise of the Christian, um, you know, not empire, but the rise of Christianity within Rome. Mm-hmm. and completely bankrupts like a number of bishops and then they take like one of the main bishops and tear his beard and suspend him in a net and then cover him with honey in the sun so he gets just like stung by insects all day um good move <laughs> i know right <laughs> yeah like so he's just in, like oh and they strip him of all his clothes as well um and that's like the punishment yeah, yeah. so fucked up like nice thing to do to someone oh man i can't even imagine just getting stung by fucking like little insects constantly you know anyway so julian uh goes to a temple to worship and you know after after this act so christians sorry backing up christians go and rescue mark from this net and julian spares his life and is like okay he's allowed to live but basically fuck you all and Christianity sucks. Um, Julian <laughs> then goes to this temple to worship, um, with, like a pagan temple. And when he shows up, it's like decla- uh, totally decaying. And Christians have sort of like ransacked the city. Um, and this like little frail priest brings up, like he, he imagined he was going to show up and there'd be like a hundred oxes that he could slaughter for the gods and that he's done all this great work. But all that shows up is this like little priest with like a single goose for him to slaughter and you know that obviously like he's like not happy about that because it's like, <laughs> a shit sacrifice to the gods um so julian gets angry and assumes that like you know one of the christians who who did this um who, who's the head lead must be sacrificed and he just he doesn't like fact check at all he just kind of like takes this guy and it's like all right fuck it this guy's the one that did this and like ex- publicly executes him um, and then obviously like this is just inciting tons of hatred. So if I'm going to draw any parallel between now, uh, this whole story and today, it's like you have this bougie class of pagans 
who are like swanning around pretending to be hyper intellectuals um and like just lavishing in the blood of oxen and uh you know and like bureaucratic success and whatnot and then you have this underclass of christians that are like um getting pushed sort of like into the dregs of society and being legislated against that are starting to get more and more hateful towards the uh the roman you know bougie class um and you know there's just this obvious divide where they're starting to clash more and more and you know people are starting to, to grow hateful at each other so julian's own followers start to get really suspicious of suspicious of him like to his credit this is why he probably stayed in power for so long is that he was able to like walk around and talk to anyone and that julian would sort of like be a man of the people and he'd talk mm. to whoever and like you know he would support uh poor workers and and cut the pay and cut their taxes uh, sorry not cut their pay but cut their taxes and whatnot and that really pissed off his cabinet who saw this as like julian was hanging out with like the underclass and he was you know hanging out with these people that were like not worthy of his attention and it was a really bad show for him because you know he should be talking with like men of stature and valor and whatnot um so they're starting to grow really hateful of him they're seeing it as time wasting at this time julian makes his big proclamation that he's going to go fight the persians um, and this was meant to be like the ultimate conquest to show Rome's greatness is back to where it was and that Rome's going to like be the full power that it used to be. And it's going to like smash the Persian empire who are getting all like haughty toddy. And... Oh man. Once again, the parallels are amazing. <laughs> it is. Eh? It's fascinating because yeah. it's like, <laughs> it's really interesting. It's just, it's just clockwork, man. And, and the more like diving into the story, um, I was like, Oh, I don't know if we have any control at all like I, I sort of feel like we're almost just like doomed to repeat ourselves over and over and over again we'll see i guess yeah we'll see <laughs> we'll see how that pissing match between trump and china goes anyway so he tries to fight the persians and it was meant to be a conquest to show rome's greatness um in the fight against persia uh it obviously like doesn't go very well julian runs into battle without his chainmail on um I wasn't Always a bad move. Yeah, just a bad mood. And he oh. gets, like, speared by someone and dies. And uh, obviously there's no cell phones or anything. And during this time, um, messages had to be sort of taken and, you know, transferred along. So the Christian starts saying that he uh, died because of a, a, you know, loyal Christian within his ranks. And that when he died, they said that um, Christi he on his, you know, his last words were Christianity would be the state religion of Rome and that he had failed. Um, so that fucking sucks cause he's dead. And then sure enough, Christianity flourishes. Um, and it was only 14 years after he died that they found out that he was actually killed, um, you know, by a spear of a Persian and that he didn't say fucking anything of the sort that Christianity was going to flourish. <laughs> but it does anyway, because, like, at that point, fake news is, you know, nothing. It's amazing. <laughs> fake, fake news has always existed, man. This is one of the big things I got from this. Oh, of it's course like, it has. Yeah, it, it never went anywhere. So Rome falls over the next few emperors, and then effectively there's... Uh, Christianity was in part due to that, because it 
really did erode traditional Roman values in favor of like money hungry priests that just, you know, dominated and didn't care about the Roman empire at all. They only cared about solidifying their own wealth. Um, and they knew that they could grow beyond the Roman empire. So the Roman empire was almost this like oppressive force that was keeping them down, which, mm. you know, again, if you want to draw parallels to today, uh, the church of neoliberalism and modern companies realizing that they can just kind of gut this like American corpse for all it's worth and then offshore everything to another fucking country and be vultures yeah, over yeah. there. I don't know. You can do it if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> you can, yeah. yeah. So Rome falls. Traditional, foil, uh, traditional values go. Popes and bishops start to take power. Agro, agrico- agricultural production decreases and over-reliance on other nations increase, which creates a massive trade deficit. Romans start spending all their money on luxury goods, um, within the bougie classes uh, and ultimately they start producing fucking nothing and then they get fucked up by barbarians and gauls and then the empire splits so that's the story of julian the apostate boom that was a little over the show but it was so much to try and fucking wrap my head around like oh well you did a good job of it dude i'm sure it is very fucking complicated but i think you did convey um some pretty strong parallels there that's, yeah, super interesting. Shout out Ray. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Once again, Ray's shows that ultimately, you know, I, I don't know, man. I really think that we work in cycles and that at the end of the day, you're always going to have um, the hunger and greed uh, take over within these upper classes. And, and it's like it's understandable why we work in cycles is because no matter what our um, original conception of like what we could be, we're always going to be limited. Like we have a limited understanding of what we could be and a limited amount of cognition to visualize it. And we have an infinite desire to quench and you can't quench the desire of the masses. You can only quench the desire of yourself. I feel so it's always going to happen, you know? Oh yeah. That's fucking heavy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well put though yeah something for me to ponder um i'll uh i'll ponder that while i take a piss yes yeah, so- i know i pissed like one hour ago but uh my penis is telling me things <laughs> no that's chill that's chill um yeah i'm gonna i'll see you in a minute cool bro <laughs> yeah right well um i'm back <laughs> <laughs> I might try and keep my uh, show and tell somewhat brief um, because we're at 57 minutes. I mean, you know, 10 of that will get cut. But anyway, um, so whether people like it or not, I am going to bring us back to Black Lives Matter. Well, actually, in a sense, we never left, did we? Um, Nah. um, Not to derail that i i don't know who the black lives are if you say that they're the christians or the pagans they're obviously not the pagans but you know they're unfortunately take the role of the christians in that story um could you say that uh the death of mark is george floyd yeah but it's just such a bad analogy because i mean on (laughs) you know you could but it'd be so offensive and it'd be like 
to understand that the Christians were at one point, you know, the dominant force in Rome and had effectively been mm. shunned under. True. Um, and I don't think, you know, black Americans were ever the dominant force. Uh, yeah. Yeah. In America. Yeah, good point. Yeah. I guess, um, yeah, not everything has to fit neatly, does it? No, but you um, could say that the blue collar might have been Mark. And you could say that, uh, you know, at one point, manufacturers and workers and sort of, you know, good, strong, traditional Christians within the States would probably have taken the role of um, the pagans or whatever, mm. I would think. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to actually um, try and read about this as well. Some interesting shit. Yeah. Man. Um, so. Uh, you and I, in another conversation, like briefly, uh, I wouldn't say debated, but maybe discussed where we both sit with looting. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> that sentence, like, just uh, isolated makes us sound like morally ambiguous dicks. Um, <laughs> or it's worth makes discussing. One of us, yeah, it makes one of us sound like a morally ambiguous dick anyway. Yeah. But I think neither of us are. Um, so... Yeah, I thought that I would sort of make the political or philosophical argument in support of looting. That's cool. <laughs> um, and it's not something that, it's not a hill that I'm willing to die on. Like, I don't care. The hill. <laughs> yeah, I don't care so passionately about the right to loot. Yeah. Um, but I do think that there's a pretty compelling argument for it. And I think I probably lean a little bit more towards the argument I'm about to make rather than some, I suppose, more conservative takes on looting or mainstream takes on looting, I suppose you could say. Yeah. But anyway, um, also, I'm going to skip over the really uh, well-established argument about the sort of historical hypocrisy uh, regarding looting now in terms of uh, the slave trade and the uh, misappropriation of resources from colonies in the past because I think everyone should already be very well aware of that argument. Yeah. Um, and I've also seen it in a lot of like social media lately. So um, while I'm not saying that that isn't a really valid argument, but that's just not what I'm going to focus on. Um, so basically there are sort of two overarching thoughts that I felt are important to sort of establish as like the foundation to kind of have in mind while you dealing with this issue and the first one is that just because something is the law doesn't make it moral and the opposite applies as well right just because something is illegal doesn't make it immoral necessarily okay because it's really hard to universalize that kind of shit in my opinion yeah no i agree with um that. and like the second point is that liberty and domination are two sides of the same coin mm. um in that in assuring certain freedoms to some people or to everybody by default that requires you to remove some some other freedoms from everybody or some people, yeah. right? So on a really like fundamental and basic level, um, if you guarantee somebody the freedom to not be killed, you have to remove the freedom of others to kill that person. Yeah, um, that's just a really crude example. What I mean by that. So um, basically, the way I see it, and the way others see it as well. When nonviolent protest doesn't work, people don't really have much other choice rather than to resort to rioting or, in 
I guess the more extreme case, looting. Um, whether or not you want to differentiate between the two, some people might. I personally don't, whatever. Um, because I sort of see the destruction of property and theft of property as uh, kind of equivalent acts. Yeah. Um, and the way I see it is that if you consider um, the system to be a system that oppresses uh, certain groups or underclasses, um, you can see opportunities to loot or riot as uh, vulnerabilities in that oppressing system. Um, and in any situation when mm -hmm. a sort of uh, a dominating force shows a vulnerability, it's only natural for the force being dominated to exploit that vulnerability and to strike against it, right? Um, I mean, you probably come up with a lot of examples from nature, like I'll try to pull one out of my ass right now. I guess it's almost like um, like water taking the uh, path of least resistance, right? Um, if if something is keeping water out, as soon as there is a leak, the water is going to run towards it. As soon as you give someone or something an opening, almost by nature that thing exploits that or heads to that opening. Um, hmm. um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, regardless of what the, the aim of that progress might be or how you define it. So in the early 19th century, this Frenchman named uh, Gustave Le Bon, uh, he lived through the French Resurrection in Paris in uh, 1830, and he first developed the idea of crowd contagion, um, which is the idea that once you have um, a sort of crowd in friends, people lose the ability to rationalise as individuals um, and they essentially adopt groupthink. I mean, mind similar to a fucking ant colony or whatever, um, and that essentially people almost adopt this kind of animalistic mentality and that's why uh, rioting and looting happens, right? Because people um, disassociate themselves from what is sort of rational or fair. Mm. But that logic almost dehumanizes that behavior and insinuates that, you know, protesters or rioters are less than those who aren't committing the same acts. Um, and it's interesting to note that, and I don't think this is necessarily um, conclusive in proving this guy's theory wrong, but this guy's train of thought went on to later influence the likes of Lenin, Hitler, and Mussolini, um, yep. who, who viewed political dissidents as almost behaving in similar ways, wherein opposing political ideologies would spread through groups of people like a contagion, and then those people no longer become capable of independent rational thought, and that's the way that they kind of um, alienate or distinguish those people uh, from the more rational general population in their opinion. I mean, I, I completely um, agree with that hundred percent, you know, that's, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, don't be sorry. Um, it's, uh, it's hard not to agree with really. Yeah. Um, totally. so as you can imagine, later scholars pushed back against this idea and claimed that riots were tied to quote, social realities and, uh, responses to strains. Um, in systems, which, you know, <laughs> is pretty common sense, really. Yeah. But at the time when these guys first sort of established this, it was a pretty new way of thinking. Um, and 
you know, both of those opposing ideas both sort of combine to say that rioting or looting and the way that you label it is defined by the narrative the same way that, uh, you know, in war, history is told by the victor, um, the, the group who possesses power uh, at the time is able to define rioting as rioting or as this uh, behavior of the other group as opposed to the behavior of the mainstream and the rational. Um, and it's quite interesting because you and I talked about uh, media narratives when we talked about uh, Noam Chomsky's manufacturing consent. Yeah. Um, and this is a perfect example of that, you know, um, because you can't be seen as, uh, I guess, legitimizing the actions of groups who uh, whose position doesn't align with mainstream institutions. And the perfect example of this that has, you know, I've seen brought up a lot in the media and on social media during the Black Lives Matter movement is um, the Boston Tea Party, um, which, yeah, they call it a tea party as opposed to a riot. Yeah. <laughs> um, and for those of those, for those who don't already know what the Boston Tea Party was, um, it was when uh, the people of Boston, the working class in the docks, um, took 342 chests of tea from merchant ships and dumped them into the harbour in response to new taxes being imposed on trade. And that moment is now celebrated in the United States as uh, one of the first acts of independence, um, I believe, against sort of British oppression. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and if I don't have that completely right, then someone can correct me. I'd, I'd like to know if I don't, but that's what I understand it to be. Um, <laughs> so like, yeah, no, that's my understanding. Yeah. Yeah. So. That's great. Um, yeah. so what, what this, what it is really is a reversal of the exchange of capital and a disruption of the sort of extractive system of how the, uh, the capitalist class, um, take either raw resources or labor or capital, um, and they bring that up through the classes to the capitalist class and further alienate the oppressed or working class, right? It's pretty Marxist, but that's, um, you know, what it is. Um, and the act of throwing those yeah. chests of tea into the ocean is a disruption of that system as well. Yeah, totally. Would that be like it, um, if everyone tore up their, like, $1,200 checks uh, that the U.S. government handed out and you know was like no give us mm, not so much because the um those checks were for everybody right whereas it would be like yeah. um if for example in australia a new policy has been announced where and i'm gonna be like so brief with this but um twenty five thousand dollar grants are being given out to help people with home renovations who are contributing $150,000 of their own money to that renovation as a stimulus measure, right? But you have to um, mm. be already owning or building a home and to have $150,000 in the bank uh, and as a couple be earning between $100,000 and $200,000 a year, I believe. Um, so as you can imagine, that yeah. sort of rewards the upper middle class. Um so I would say that the act of um, 
disrupting that kind of like transfer of wealth to the capitalist classes would be more like taking that stimu stimulus package and then fucking setting everyone's houses on fire once they've done the renovations. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's right, probably like a really sense. flawed yeah, analogy as well, but yeah. fuck it, we're doing Yeah, it's not a rejection of capitalism or capital. It's a rejection of people having yeah, it's a, capital. It's a, uh, yeah, it's a rejection of inequality, essentially. Yeah. Um, and okay. so the entire sort of system that we all live in, you know, liberal democracy, um, sees us all um, sort of, I wouldn't say robbed, but we, are, um, we sell our labor to what amounts to really low value um, in comparison to the profits generated from it, right? Um, so, which is, you know, why a lot of people refer Absolutely, to it as wage yeah. slavery as opposed to wage labor, whether or not you use that term is up to you. And yeah. so for in, the, in that instance, um, when I see the likes of Gucci or Target being robbed, I applaud those people. Um, and I see those people as sort of Robin Hood figures. And I hesitate to yeah. uh, assign a political motivation to those acts on an individual basis because you can never know what someone's thinking. But regardless of their motivation, their act is political because it disrupts the political system. So it has a political outcome. Um, and where you and I yeah. obviously differed was around the likes of like mum and dad businesses or just like sole traders running a little corner store or whatever. And like I thought about that a lot yeah. because yeah. I fully I sympathize with those people as well and I was trying to figure out a way to reconcile that with what I thought about looting and rioting more generally and like I sort of came up with the idea that yep. just as there can be victimless crimes I think there can be crimeless victims right so I think that family-owned businesses yep. who might be affected by looting or rioting are like a consequence or an unfortunate like those are those destructive facts are almost sorry byproducts of kickbacks against the political mechanism as opposed to the victims of violent crimes so i think obviously when you have a state apparatus yep. designed and it is literally designed to keep one class of people subdued in order to continue to uh appropriate their labor there's going to be resistance to that just like water chooses the path of least resistance and harm to these businesses is unfortunately just a, uh, a side effect of that damage um and in a sense even these businesses yeah even though they don't directly exploit that uh that uh subdued class of people they still benefit from the labor of those poorer classes because the people who are spending money in those businesses accumulate their wealth through exploitation to an extent and that's not the fault of small business owners by any means because mm. those people themselves are only trying to fight to escape that sort of position of exploitation as well. And in that sense, they're still subordinated yep. to the power of the state. So I think the way to sort of like reconcile that dynamic is to view this as the state owing those businesses protection 
in the form of a political system that allows the downtrodden forms of expression apart yep. from those kind of acts. Which it um, doesn't. So, yeah. Okay, that, no, that makes sense. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. To um, de- oh, yeah, sorry, and, go on. No, 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 you, okay. you continue. Uh, to a degree, this is where, you know, like, I don't know where to draw the line because to an extent and and you know what i my whole previous point i guess was like i don't i think everyone's caught up in a system that is beyond our control potentially and that it's you know that there's very little that you can really do other than kind of you know live your life and enjoy it because these tidal forces of uh money and and empires are always going to shift and move um through nothing other than you know the natural process of lots of people together in one place expressing you know some sort of like macro sense of desire for for wealth and power so there's always going to be casualties in that process no matter what um Mm. and trying to like i hear what you're saying if i understand it correctly like the acts of looting as a form of protest uh it's unfortunate that it has you know casualties of smaller business but it's a bigger message being sent against a a system of oppression um yeah i think so and regardless of the intention of the act um yeah so of course there are opportunists who just see disorder and then decide to go and steal an iphone yeah um but that is just a result of the system yeah you know um if you if you don't have a downtrodden uh group of people yeah uh who hunger for the same material objects that the class above them uh flaunts on a daily basis then you know everyone is spared the trouble right yeah ideally and to an extent though i wonder how much control larger corporate and this isn't i'm not trying to be a dick I'm just wondering how much control do larger corporations have to not act um, in a way that there's just where they just profit maximize and, you know, like sure, Facebook could bring its enormous wealth from Ireland over and start paying tax and distributing that throughout the community. But do they, can they? Is is almost a question. Like, are, are they actually able to do that? Or would that cause a revolt from the mm. shareholders? Would that, you know, make them... Yeah, unpro- that's Like, it, is right? anyone able to I, act because... in any way that isn't conforming to the system that requires you to act in an exploitative way? It's a really good fucking yeah. question because you're right about, uh, like, you know, corporate pressure. Um, because it, at the same time, all of those Facebook shareholders... <laughs> are trying to only keep themselves off the yep. bottom rung, right? <laughs> um, all of them collectively are only trying to look out for their own interests because of the way the fucking system yep. is designed. So, like, you're right, The could Facebook move all their operations back to the United States? Mm. I don't know. But, like, I think that's when you need brave regulation, right? Yep. You need politicians who are willing to accept the fucking backlash of doing something that I think is just. And ah, and that's why I think you need to take the money out of politics. Yeah. Because obviously at the moment legislation is kind of in tow to corporate lobbying. Um, 
Whereas if politicians only represented the interests of their electorate rather than Wall Street, yeah. then maybe you could see those kind of changes. Yeah. I don't know. Um, well, we'll never know because uh, old Bernie Master <laughs> Sanders bowed out like a oh, yeah. you know, Muppet and then endorsed dementia patient Joe Biden. So, Did you see Joe Biden say that... Uh, 10 to 15% of Americans just aren't yeah, good people. Fucking piece of dog shit he is, eh? Oh, <laughs> like, I think he's probably right, but why would you yeah, say that? Yeah, but, like, what does that even mean, you know? Like, like, what does he possibly mean by that? And what does it mean not good people? Like, they don't agree with your shitty fucking narrative? Oh, you know what uh, I mean? Like, yeah, I don't know, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, <laughs> it's pretty fucking uh, messy, so though, disgusting. Hey? I agree with you, though. I mean, it'd be interesting. But I think you're talking, like, with nations, like, um, that seek wealth and power over nations that don't, it's impossible. And they'll follow cycles that are um, beyond their own control. I'm beginning to believe that that's what happens. Um, mm. And I think... I'm looking yeah. forward... Oh, sorry. Uh, and, and I think nations that don't do that um, or at least are, there's another side to this that I'm also interested in that is the scale issue. And, and I have, uh, dabbled with the scale pill. Um, <laughs> that, uh, I think is, is something that I find endlessly fascinating as well, that, you know, on the one hand you have like the dalio argument, which is effectively like we, we move in cycles and people that pursue wealth and power will always fall victim to their own success. Like their own empire will become so large and unprofitable and it will make sense for people to act in a way that is you know at some point you're going to get a bouge class that is just going to gut the entire thing for their own benefit um but on the other hand i wonder if there was a uh civil war and each state sort of split off into a separate country if that would ultimately solve the problem if it's just a system that's too big you know and then the power gets sucked out of it. But then people will probably always rise up mm. for power within their own separate states. Although, you know, New Zealand's not doing too bad. Australia's not doing too bad. We're small. Yeah. Well, I guess the, um, that scale question is kind of answered by the idea of, like, and I'm probably going to butcher this yeah. pronunciation because, like, I never say this in my day-to-day -day <laughs> life, but, like, anarcho uh, okay yeah 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 right um and like i don't even mean that in the extreme sense i just mean like just um decentralization and you know greater agency amongst yep. states um and i know that the united states is fairly decentralized no. right no it's um, heinous it's such a f ruthlessly complex bullshit system because you have the fed well Who the fuck i think is the fed in relation to the state man like what no, I think economically it's insanely yeah. centralized. But I think, like, legally or politically... It's Until it's not, it, it seems. It seems confusing. You have something mm. like Roe versus Wade, and it's like that's uniformly, um, you know, like, across True. the states. But then the states decide the specifics of abortion law to the point where you get Texas or I can't, I don't, it might not be Texas, but one of the, one of them where it's just so obscenely difficult to get an abortion anyway. 
And it's like, it's not illegal. It's just like, yeah, here, right. listen to your baby before you get an abortion. You know what I mean? It's just so horrible <laughs> to, they're trying to get rid of it. So it's like the, uh, the, yeah. the, uh, the line seems kind of like arbitrary and meaningless between um, fed legislation and state legislation. But I also don't understand like that entire system yeah. completely, mm. you know? Um, yeah, I guess, um, maybe if, um, there was more, more decentralization as it relates to like the use of taxation, yeah. um, that seems like it might be a step in the right direction. But anyway, we're fucking both talking about a lot of shit <laughs> we don't know about right now. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So, um, let's, uh, fucking move it along. Bounce from that. Um, that old shit show. Yeah, yeah. We're moving to level one, I think. Should we, uh... I didn't actually check the news. So, yeah. Oh, oh this really? is the other thing That's to great. touch on. Uh, coronavirus is cancelled in the States. Um, we've just beaten it, apparently. Apparently, yeah. So, you know. Yeah, we're going... Oh, oh cool. Midnight yeah. tonight. How about that? So, um, okay. I'll enjoy the same freedoms I did yesterday, but I don't have to sign a guest register when I go into a restaurant. That'll be nice. Yeah, I mean, it was over a while ago, let's be honest. Like, <laughs> Oh, dude. Over the weekend here in Australia, there were Black Lives Matter rallies in all major cities. And um, the social media barrage of just, like, closet racists complaining about social distancing yeah. measures um, not being adhered to at these rallies is, like, so upsetting. Um and like while I agree, yeah, in a perfect world we'd all be social distanced, rah yeah. rah rah. Like, regardless, we're all at fucking shopping centers. They're letting crowds return to the NRL. <laughs> like you know. I mean what is <laughs> most. Yeah. Like Yeah, right. The NRL or like social causes. I'm not the one to say, but I do have an opinion, yeah, yeah, yeah. or not. Yeah. Um uh, <laughs> <laughs> so obnoxious. Yeah. The same narrative um, has been here. The same narrative is in the states. Although I'll tell you that is largely expected, and it was so annoying to see so many people be like, "My freedom being taken away from me." To be like, "Oh, I guess we don't care about social distancing anymore." Um, yeah, right. and that goes for every single person. Fuck. If you weigh in on that, you're a dick. Except for the healthcare workers that signed that fucking statement. That was like. Um, all of a sudden, all the doctors had just sort of like abandoned their position of COVID being like a like a, an issue, and been like, "Oh no, white supremacy is more important." Um, yeah, yeah, true. I yeah, I know what you're talking about now. That is pretty. That's pretty funny. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So that was it. Was surprising to me that that turnaround had happened. Um, there were some people that mm. kind of fucked me off because they were very like you know, I don't know, like, by all means necessary, stay the fuck at home, and then abandon their position, and I was like, well, you know, like, is this an issue, isn't this an issue, what's, what's the deal, I don't understand what's going on, have we been led to believe that this is less of an issue than I thought it was, or what? Man, I don't, I don't know how anyone is supposed to follow their moral compass through the whole of 2020 without doing a U-turn at one point, yeah. you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh any uh <laughs> i don't even fucking know you know i don't even know what to say about it yeah. it's fucked 
there's too much going on, man, for, for one person to have one cohesive set of values that will like stay true to them through the whole of 2020. It's just impossible. I don't believe. Yeah, it. exactly. Yeah. I'm with you. And, and I'm kind of over it as well. I just, I don't fucking care anymore about, you know, that stuff. It doesn't affect me. And by that stuff, I mean like uh, the morality of social distancing within coronavirus, um, the coronavirus paradigm, which is just a meaningless oh, talking point yeah. and it's over. And and I'm looking, yeah. You're right, man. Morality has gone out the fucking Yeah, I don't, I don't care. I'm more interested like in seeing A, what crops up next and B, you know, um, where the what what i don't know what's the next line of bullshit maybe we're gonna go back to normality maybe uh, you know. or just to see like by how much the temperature of the globe has increased next year because we've all forgotten about climate change oh yeah i did forget about <laughs> climate change yeah where's greta thunberg at what's she up to gaining weight i don't know <laughs> um yeah i wonder if she's gonna have a dramatic comeback special ah uh, he um, deserves one yeah, like, like at least a special guest. Yeah, one. if we're all WWE yeah. stars, he's got like one heavyweight championship reign left, you know, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, one elbow drop yeah. that she's um, going to come in and then it, disappear yeah. into obscurity when the next line of bullshit happens. Undertaker coming back at the age of 75 <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Um, those dudes don't have pants. <laughs> oh, no. They seem to... They blow it all on age, bro. You know... <laughs> <laughs> that's unfair but they probably do yeah those guys are fucking right jacked you know yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah why would oh fuck it what a oh <laughs> uh, we've been dragged down into the muck with everybody yeah. else man um all right let's do quick hits questions recommendations yeah, by the way francisca upon listening to our last episode shout out my wife um yeah she suggested that we should come up with like a name for this section, which I think is actually a pretty good idea. Quick like, hit sounds pretty good. Quick you hits. Wanna... All right. I'm not a very creative person. I've realized when it comes to naming shit, but quick hit sounds sick to me. <laughs> All right, we'll work on it. I think we could come up with like <laughs> yeah. quick hits and something else that rhymes with quick hits. Yeah. Yeah. Like no, that sounds uh, sick. I don't know. Quick hits and I don't know, man. Thick hips. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Sick. No, you heard it here whatever. First. We'll work on it. Um, if anyone has any suggestions, mm. let us know. Yeah. Um, all um, right. Cool, man. What are you watching? What am I watching? Okay. Um, I actually have been watching something for the first time in a while. Um, but only really to distract myself from like the chaos and and nonsense. I was watching this thing called Channel Zero, which is like a uh B plus tier horror series in the vein of like. It's like Lynch Diet Cola, um, and I fucking love David Lynch. Uh, he's like my definitely my favorite director. Well, no, that's not true, but he's up there. He's he's good. Yeah, uh, to me, I think he's good, and I'll debate that endlessly. Um, so this is like, yeah, if you if you took Lynch and you served him and you made him more palatable um, to the general masses, have you seen much Lynch? Mm -hmm. Is David Lynch the dude who did? Um, fuck it. Oh my god, I can't remember. I can't believe I'm forgetting the name of this. Mulholland Drive. Yes, Mulholland Drive yeah. and Twin Peaks. Yeah, Twin Peaks. Yeah, right. Ahead, yeah, uh, yeah. Inland Empire, all that. I I love yeah. Mulholland Drive, but I got through most of Twin Peaks and had to pull out, man. Yeah. I just realized I wasn't going to finish, you know. 
Yeah, man, it's a hard one, eh? Like, yeah. I, I watched, I've watched all three seasons, but um, that's nothing more than like I don't know, ruthless fanboyism, and it, you know, I I'm not gonna pretend I'm any better than like a Marvel soy boy, um, getting excited about like you know, fucking Avengers End War and battle would it i don't know i don't know what it's called the final avengers movie whatever i'm the same as like twin peaks i was like yeah oh look at that camera shot oh lynch is so smart (laughs) yeah look at the abundance of freckles on this pale white girl's face yeah oh he's gonna drink a coffee again so you know it's disgusting and i hate myself for it but whatever so anyway channel zero is pretty sick it's like definitely not very cerebral and i hate using that word um because i don't know what is cerebral when you're sitting around vegetating on cheap tv but like you know it's like reasonably good i check it out i you know i I don't know if you're like a fan of horror or anything like that but um not really but it is a genre that i know that i've like irresponsibly overlooked my whole life yeah like i know that there is some good horror you know what i mean um yeah yeah yeah. I'll get around to it one day, maybe, probably never. But yeah, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'll check that out sometime. Yeah. Um, anyway, what are you watching, man? Um, fucking nothing, dude. I'm still oh. binging Thirty Rock. Thirty um, Rock, fucking a. I haven't even seen that. Man, I um, I think this was my what am I watching for a previous episode, but yeah, now I can't remember. I'm doubting myself. But um, anyway, it's good. <laughs> yeah, <that's> sick. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> Tina Fey, Alec Baldwin, uh, others. Yeah. Really good, like, hilarious commentary on the entertainment industry and, like, corporate America. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, leave it at that. Cool. Perfect. Um, yeah. Reading anything new? Um, I actually am. So, while I was desperately trying to find material to talk about, and I'd uh, been driven down this Julian the Apostate, fucking rabbit hole which honestly sucked up maybe like 10 hours of my time i i it it took so fucking long to try and understand the story and like figure out from start to finish what the fuck actually happened in the I admire your commitment. oh man well it just came a certain point where i was like shit i have to have something to talk about and i need to make something out of this like julian the apostate story and i was only at the beginnings and you know um i didn't even mention but he only was emperor for 18 months he was oh, even... true. Yeah. He got busy. <laughs> yeah, man. So, it sounded like... like 25 years or something when you I, were... Um... I know, I know. It was just so much was packed into it. It was like, and aside from that, he just like, you know, his entire life was a little consequence other than to sort of symbolize, you know, trying to fight against a, an unmovable theological force. But um, no, I like dove into... Uh, house on the borderland which i think has got to be one of the fucking best books on cosmicism which is another thing i was talking to you about Um, yeah 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 which is like basically we're tiny little ants in the face of cosmic forces that we can't hope to ever comprehend and you know it's it's an entire genre and it's not the best time to like run around championing um its ultimate you know, like, proponents of cosmicism, Lovecraft, who is, like, the most racist motherfucker out. Um, Which is unfortunate because, you know, and and it takes some serious work to separate the art from the artist, but uh, with this guy. 
personally, I, I love Lovecraft stories and everything like that, but he is a brutal racist and there's no getting around it. And no amount of like, oh yeah, but this and that, like his stories are largely based on the fact that he has like a, an underlying, um, like pure fear and hatred of things that he doesn't understand. And that's kind of what his whole narrative is about. Um, but predating him was this guy, William Hope Hodgson. I hope I'm getting that right. I'll look it no, up. No, that sounds familiar. Yeah. And he did the house on the borderland. I don't know if he was racist. He might've been. I'm sure um, he was. Yeah, I'm sure he was. Like everyone was in the early 1800s. Um, oh, sorry. The late 1800s. Uh, yeah. William Hope Hodgson. And it's, he did this story that's just a hallucinatory account at a recluse's stay in a remote house of like, I don't know. I can't even describe it. You just got to read it to understand. It's so fucking out of it and crazy. And like about this guy finding this journal and reading through it and it kind of sucks you in. And it's this guy that has this other stuff. Fuck. I'm going to butcher this. I've just realized if I try and explain this, I'm going to fucking butcher it. So I'm not going to explain it. It's a really good book on how we're little ants and there's massive forces that you'll never understand out there and you just got to sit there and watch it. I'm down for that. I'm not going to try and explain it. (laughs) Fucking sick. Um, yeah. hmm. What about you, man? (laughs) Oh dude. Um, I've, I've been bad. I haven't been reading anything like super interesting. I've just been trying to, uh, do like economics 101 yeah um because like you know for anyone listening don't know if you've figured it out or not but i have not studied economics but it's an interest of mine so i'm just trying to like rewind go back to basics and just make sure that i have like a thorough understanding of yeah just like fucking economic mechanics and whatever um cool yeah just so that i can like you know wax lyrical a bit more with with economic shit. Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so that's what I've been doing. Just that's cool. Re- yeah, you, like, what's your starting points on that? Um, I just read like oh, this uh, really good paper on the effect of immigration on uh, like GDP. Yeah. Um, and and job rates. Yeah. Um, and also on like globalization the pros and cons, uh, which I sort of was pretty aware of already. Um, yeah. And protectionism or free trade sort of yeah. versus. Um, um, it's endlessly so, interesting, but yeah. And I have a taxes. Yeah. Mm. I have a quick uh, caveat. This is something that, um, again, uh, you know, I've realized after diving more into history as a source of um, economic understanding Mm. is that modern economics was for, uh, it was largely created in the last 150 years. Um, And it ultimately is kind of looking at like the American empire. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's coming from a place where you have people who are, you know, looking around and championing, one social system without and one political system and so you have a lot of people who are you know going to be discussing the importance of institutions and and uh, free trade and stuff which was like how america fundamentally kind of like 
built its wealth to a degree with and ignoring really important other stories. There has been some research that started to come out on that, like um, the, the rise of the East Asian tigers and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's not as well adopted because assholes like... Uh, he is. Assholes like that. He writes for the fucking New York Times. I can never remember his name. It's like... Um, but he's quite famous. He was the economic advisor to Obama. Oh, uh, I read about this motherfucker really recently. Yeah. I, also, he has a dumb last name. Um, yeah, it's like... Uh, fuck, I'll just look it up. Um, Austin Goolsby. Oh, no, that's, that's not who I'm thinking of. Um, Alan Kruger. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, Paul Krugman. Okay. Paul Krugman. Um, that's, that's him. Yeah, fuckwits like him. Um, like, don't really look at anything other than than sort of like a couple cases of, of you know, the rise of America. And they're, they're very America-centric um, thinkers and whatnot. And there's a lot of different op- opinions out there. And there's a lot of different systems that are largely ignored. So I think, you know, the main thing with anyone getting into economics, and, you know, I'm also going to share that list with you. I mean, you should probably post it publicly as well, like my little intro guide to economics. Yeah, you should. Um, is that I think it's important to understand thinkers like Friedman, uh, Milton Friedman, and and French Kayak, and like um, uh, Keynes, and all those sort of standard guys, but also branch out into understanding like just how fucking diverse growth is. I've come to my personal thinking on the entire matter, which is almost worthy of like another podcast. I'd, I'd fucking love to get into it, to be honest. It's like, <laughs> it's just an ecosystem. And just what you, you said, you kind of like summed it up before when you were talking about looting. And it's like, <laughs> we're ex- an exploitative species and our system is one of exploitation. And I'm not mm. saying that in a negative sense. I'm saying it is when you find a niche people exploit it and it makes sense to and it's the same it's a natural process it's the same as any um bacteria or uh you know like animal within a a kingdom when it finds Mm. a niche it exploits it straight up that's our system and communist capitalist democratic socialist uh fascism fucking doesn't matter you'll always have the same behavior because it's a natural behavior and it's impossible to you know, mm. curtail with any designs that someone think that they can throw around. Ooh. Wank, 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 <laughs> wank, wank, wank. Nah, man, that's that's not wankery. That's just uh, some yeah. some fucking knowledge for the children at home. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah. Anyway, so um, what do you hate? What do I hate? Um, oh, dude, just like I touched on it briefly before, but just, um. The absolutism of people on social media and, like, the unhinged fucking vitriol and just, like, uh, toxic hatred that people just, like, communicate with on social media. Like, yeah, like I was saying, similar to you, I had to pull away from Twitter for a bit and, like, I'm normally pretty, like, I try and be pretty active on Reddit. And, like, I like to have genuine discussions or debates with people on reddit and the last couple of days man i've just been like fuck me i feel like i've just been smacking my head repeatedly on the side of a desk yeah um it's just yeah i got real (laughs) down about it man because yeah people i don't think try to find sort of like mutual common ground they just want to uh 
harvest cool. those sweet, sweet upvotes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But man, I should have known. I knew that already. I was foolish to forget. You know. Hey, buddy, I'm with you on that. Like, it's impossible, <laughs> fucking, not to. Like, especially during times like this, where you, you, it's an unfortunate necessity to understand yeah. what's going on because the fucking media doesn't yeah. do the job. And you just want a bit of humanity, right? You're like, yeah, want man. a bit of fucking. Hey, man, like, let's try and figure out what we're talking about here yeah. and people are just like oh did you know that i could slap you in the face with my eight foot cock yeah, yeah. Like, i dude. wish that'd be funny if they were saying that it's fucking yeah. worse than that it's like some like asshole on twitter being like if you're not out there you're uh <laughs> kneeling and protesting as a white man blah, blah, blah. and it's like motherfucker where are you you're like probably in some flyover state you know you've never seen a black person in your life <laughs> posting on fucking twitter or reddit's uh, just as bad they're all horrible yeah. to be honest like you know they're all cesspits of humanity and virtue signaling and and everything what do you hate um myself no fuck no, off. i don't hate myself i've been drinking so much fucking coke like and i i've like sorry <laughs> i like fucking never drunk coke throughout my entire life for 28 years man i went without it and now my desk is just littered with these cans what i can't happened? stop drinking this shit um i don't know man i just like bought a six pack one day and now i'm just like loving coke you're on the wagon my... yeah but i don't even enjoy it that much i think i've just been like fiending on it like, oh I yeah like, fucking four of these in a night man oh so, get fucked that's so bad yeah yeah no i hate my um i don't hate myself i just hate you'd honestly be better off doing like a little bit of speed yeah well like it's probably healthier that. for you to do that yeah well i would but you know where am i gonna get that on a friday night true not pack and save <laughs> not for $4. Pack and save. yeah exactly yeah it's pretty bad um i hate that i hate my rampant coca-cola consumerism uh, well, yeah. Uh, just remember that's only one part of who you are, though, man. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, you got a grifter yeah. of the week? Um, a grifter of the week. Just whoever that asshole is that spends all his time commenting on, like, Trump's Twitter. I don't know who he is, man. I think his name's, like, Jeff Tittich or some shit. You know the guy, yeah. He's always... <laughs> do I? I don't know. I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to go to Trump's Twitter. <laughs> Is yeah. he like the top comment on all of his posts or whatever? Like most of the time. I'm going there as well. So that's that's what that keyboard tapping is. I I just think of the final straws I had when I was like giving up on fucking Twitter because it's so disgusting and bad for my mental health. Um, part of it was just seeing his smarmy little face and just being like, oh, I just can't. Like, I don't want to be sharing a platform with this asshole. Is it you know? Sean Parnell? Nah, it's like Jeff Tidatch or, or Tidratch or some shit. All right, I'm going to... He has a Patreon. I sent it to you, and he's got like $200 a month coming oh, out to okay. shitpost on fucking Twitter. Yeah. I... yeah. I really... Oh, here he is. Here. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you this link right now. <laughs> Just look at this. Look at this fucking jerk off, eh? You know... Did you send me the link on uh, Facebook or yeah, Zoom? Yeah, Jeff Tidrich. <laughs> I need to start using the term jerk-off more to describe people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's bring that one back. Like his right. entire point of existence. You know, like in terms of exploiting 
niches. Yeah, he's yeah. just yeah, this a parasite on a parasite. Oh, he's not even that. He's like lower. He's like the para- he's like the final person in the fucking human centipede. You know, he's just <laughs> just the ultimate regurgitator of shit. <laughs> and that if I have any self-respect, I will not be sharing a platform with a person like that. Oh, uh, well, man, good luck waiting him out. Yeah, well, right? Well, yeah. Take it right to Twitter then. <laughs> well, I don't care. Like, my non existent Twitter campaign's over. You know, I made like one tweet. That's uh, um, fuck it. Oh, man. Yeah. Good, good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Piece of shit, Grifter. Have you got a Grifter of the Week? I'm going to do a proper Grifter of the Week, I feel. I need to do one on, like, um, Elizabeth Holmes. Oh, yeah, yeah, but, you do. Yeah, yeah. That's content for, I don't know, next week or whatever. Um,. I I got a new job recently and my new boss is my grifter of the week. Um, <laughs> um, I just got like another like crappy barista job in this like average cafe that I can't see myself staying at for very long, but it's just yeah. kind of like, you know, tie me over for a while until I get some more money coming in. Yeah. And yeah, um yeah. like I went in there and did a trial shift on Friday. And my boss wasn't actually there. It was just like a shift supervisor or whatever. And then they were like, yeah, come in tomorrow to work. I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever, rocked up. And I was like partway through my shift and it was like a really busy uh, time of the day. And this like other chick came in and was like, hi, like I'm here for a trial as a barista. And the boss was like, oh, wait here. And she came over to me and was like, oh, hey, um, this chick is here to do a trial, but, like, we've already hired you, so I don't know what to do. So <laughs> I guess just go and, like, fill in some time and we'll just get her to, like, work for a couple of hours. Oh, dude, you And I was, I was just, yeah, I'm like, oh, uh, <laughs> all right. She's like, yeah. yeah, just, like, go and, like, go and help out around the place and, uh, she can make some coffees and this chick was like trying hard and stuff as if she like might get a job um yeah. while my boss just like uh yeah <laughs> exploited her for her labor and then was like thanks we'll be in touch i hate how fucking limp dicked our like society has become a you know, yeah, it's pretty fucked. It's so sad, man. It's like you can't tell them, like, oh, sorry, we've hired someone. Like, that's it. You got to, like, make them carry out this pathetic routine. It's just... Yeah, it's... it's But, man, I'll, I'll try and um share more, like, anecdotes from this workplace because it's quite interesting. Um, Sick. Like, you'd like it. I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. By all means, far away. Yeah. I yeah. mean, I'll, I'll save them for another time. I'll try and sprinkle them throughout, you know? Um, but it's, yeah, a fascinating place. Yeah. It's not my vibe whatsoever. But, uh, oh, fair enough, man. Not many that's fucking right. businesses or, like, generally employment isn't. Isn't a vibe. Yeah. <laughs> it's never been something that's, like, uh, super enjoyable. Yeah, fucking yeah. I think I've only had like one job that I actually truly enjoyed. Um and it wasn't 
like a career job allied workforce oh fuck well that yeah two jobs i guess two i was jobs. gonna say i used to work as a ghost and that was pretty badass but did um, you really yeah for sure yeah yeah i'd like set off traps and like have to scare people and everything fucking hell it's fucking sick it was such yeah, a good that's job dope. yeah it was it was amazing it was like it was just although like from start to finish not the job that you ever want to have while dating someone because <laughs> you know that they're just a little bit ashamed of you the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah to be well, like... what is yeah? What does your boyfriend do? Oh, he's like a ghost at the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's wrap it up. Cool, buddy. That's a good place. To uh, if anyone wants to holler at us, you can email modernguiltpod at gmail.com. Uh, set up a PayPal now so you can send us some dosh. And uh, I'll spend it on escaping my new workplace. Sick. I'll put it towards um, buying a mic. Yeah, or there you go. Something. I probably Fucking won't, A. But, you know. Pour some coke. Yeah, I'll buy it. like more coke to yeah. fuck. Someone shout Damon a six pack of coke. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you can um, yeah email us some feedback or just like hit us up directly, whatever. Um, we got books, guns. So we can uh, take a bit of a bit of trash. We like it. Bring it. Mm. All right. Thanks, dude. Take care. Yeah, bro. I'll talk to you soon, man. Peace.